Three, two, one, and welcome to the Peak PT Studio podcast. So myself, Rich Higgins, Josh Jurieff, and David Lewis Charlton. How are we doing? Good. Someone's had a coffee. <laughs> speedy, speedy intro. It's like, Good morning. <laughs> morning, everyone. How's Good everyone? Morning. <laughs> I'm on caffeine and my glucose is high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, it's always nice having a cancellation and then swooping in with a cheeky session what did you do go on talk us through your session what was your a exercises your b exercises your fillers your complementaries uh i deadlift (laughs) full stop (laughs) it's a gvt workout and then had a banana and a shake (laughs) Woo! nice nice (laughs) we're talking about that with our training versus clients training especially in the weighted stuff like we plan everything out nicely for clients. We work through sessions of warm up, power work, core work. Then we get into our A's and A exercises, then into our B stuff. Then we're into a bit more of like some conditioning work at the end. And yeah, David just squeezed the session in and did some warm up and then did deadlifts for time and then cooled down. <laughs> so that's why you hire a coach because you get like perfectly planned sessions <laughs> and you get time slots for it whereas we train when we can <laughs> shut up it went well but i was gonna say you can get some good stuff out of it equally when i worked in a commercial gym we used to just be like pick two exercises and get as many rounds in as you can before it's time to do something else so it's always it goes back to that like microdosing of stuff doesn't it I think a little bit of getting what you can, not necessarily what's going to be perfect. That's my deadlift, 20 seconds running up the stairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quick, quick. Yeah. Just build up to a max and it's a good workout. <laughs> pyramid up, pyramid down. Yeah. Good nice, job. nice, nice. How's your weekend, Jeff? Very good, thank you all. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, just more house stuff. That's it. Are you yeah. building one from scratch? Yeah. See, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, build, I'm building a granny annex. See, it seems to have been going on for years. Six years what are you doing at the weekend? Laying the foundations. Yeah. <laughs> Got the windows in. That's one of those weekends where you just blink and it's gone. Just, I read that yesterday. It was on a, I think, one of those like very British problem memes or something like that when it's like, everyone's classic Sunday of I do nothing all day get to 8pm and then wish I'd started earlier or wish I'd done something with the day <laughs> like damn it it's Monday again no I had the opposite I knew it was gonna be rubbish weather so kids are up and out for a walk at nine o'clock it was all right kicking and screaming well, it was a bit Not drizzly the afternoon, evening. Yeah. Oh, it rained a bit in the afternoon yeah, yeah. it was really nice there's a really nice little woodland walk by us mm. um, so yeah I took them out for an hour and a bit tie them out Nice. Then, uh, yeah, cracked on the house. Nice, nice. Yeah, it was lovely. Good, good. How's yours? Yeah, all good. Uh, We're in here Saturday morning. Um, What do we do? Good class. It was a good good class. class. 15 on, 15 off, my favourite. Yeah, (laughs) everyone's favourite. We'll get on to those in a bit, actually. It's a good good topic. Uh, Yeah, all good. Rode the bike on Saturday. Did some running on Saturday as well. And then... I can't remember what else we did. Watched a bit of Luther, did some more running on Sunday, took the pug for a walk in the woods. <laughs> Went did for a walk tills? in the woods, didn't you, Tills? Watched loads of Crufts. I watched Crufts. Which Tilly's quite a Great. big fan of. Yeah, are you? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so watch quite a lot of that. Right. Trying to stop a bark at the telly constantly. <laughs> <laughs> certain dogs, we're trying to figure out, because certain dogs she'll just watch, and then she barks at some. So I don't know whether that's like her pick for the win, or she doesn't like it. We've just got to try and figure out which that's is like which. the equivalent of she's wolf whistling at someone. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. Hey, <laughs> You're my dog. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to work out whether she likes it or hates it. <laughs> what do you think, Tim? She turns into a builder. Yeah. She's just watching crafts. What, darling? <laughs> Theoretically, we should just have dogs judging it, shouldn't we, really? What do we know about yeah, them? True. That Other dogs should judge it. You should get them to run past a panel of dogs and if they were for if they turn away. I turned on where the hounds section was on. I think yeah. it was on Saturday night. Yeah. I half of them never heard of them before. They're yeah. like Switzerland national dog. Yeah, it's or like, like the, Norwegian national. Company. Yeah, they, they get onto like the working dogs, and there's like twenty five breeds of yeah. collie, basically. Yeah. Yeah, some quite good ones. There's a Cairn Terrier on there. I quite like that. <coughs> quite a little yeah. stocky. It's an Aussie dog, little stocky, oh, fox okay. coloured. Quite a big head. Quite like that. Tilly was a fan of that as well, so it'd blend nicely. Um, yeah, okay, watched a bit time. Luther, did yeah. some training, played around my new glucose monitor. Mm. Here we go. Here's the rest of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Which is all good circle fun. Circle back to the end. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Just skip forward. Yeah, skip forward 35 minutes. <laughs> it's like I ate, then I looked at it. Yeah. And then I waited till I could eat again, then I watched how, it. How does it work then? Give me a, give me a thumbnail of it. Uh, same as the monitors that people, diabetics have so right. stick it in your arm um, yeah. you have it in your arm the whole time then you scan it with your phone yeah. and it shows you uh, blood sugar levels the whole time it'll show you when you've got peaks and when you've got drops and things like that so for me it was essentially for training more than anything I wanted to see say for example when I'm on the bike for three four hours like what my fuel's doing and what Essentially, if I've got a high blood sugar level, I've got available glucose, and then when it dips and what certain foods do. But then outside of that, looking at day-to-day stuff's quite interesting. Um, so just for like, I'll, I won't talk about the fueling for exercise because it's pretty boring, but just for like day-to-day stuff. For example, like I had a bowl of porridge, banana and peanut butter for breakfast the other morning. And like blood sugar was very stable afterwards, didn't really have any sort of peak. And I reckon historically most people would think like, oh, that's a big bowl of carbs and it'll shoot my energy and then drop it and sort of thing. But it was quite sustained through the morning. And then we went out to a cafe the other day and had a panini and half a sausage roll. And my blood sugar went through the roof, like absolutely shot up and then dived pretty soon afterwards. Um, So it's obviously all individual, but it's just quite interesting to see what different foods and different situations do to you. Did Adam Charlie have that same? Yeah, that's where yeah. it's from. Yeah, yeah, I thought I'd... Super well, Sapiens, so it's... But yeah, I wouldn't buy them myself. They're like 100 quid each, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, no one puts me in my arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a BCG. Yeah. Again. So interestingly, with like Charlie, Adam Charlie, my teammates that rode across the Atlantic, with Charlie, she was wearing hers when she was in A&E. And stuff as well and she saw like blood glucose response not necessarily to food but to stress as well so say for example she had a really stressful situation someone come in quite a traumatic injury or something like that blood sugar would go through the roof in a response to that and then after it had finished absolutely dive through the floor so she's saying they have a debrief after that and it's potential she was looking at maybe I should be eating something after that to kind of 
try and stabilize me back out because mm-hmm. um, you get that huge peak and trough. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting. I think like I say, for me, for the fueling side of things, for my exercise, but I reckon for people in general, just to see your own body's reaction to food. But yeah, we won't get into it. It's a deep, deep topic and there's loads of nuances and I don't want people just to take away that like high blood sugar is bad, low blood sugar, good sort of thing. Um, there's loads of nuance to it, but yeah, it's interesting. I want it in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Mythbuster. God damn it. It's kind of been another week. I'm like, yeah, that's what <clears> I thought already... when we sat down to record it. I was like, oh, I didn't think of a jingle. Ding dong. The witch is dead. As a part <laughs> <laughs> The myth is dead. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, team. That's all you get. Is yeah. that it? Okay. Yeah. Um, so on the Mythbuster subject this week, <laughs> thanks for the cue, is we're talking about training when it when we get old, like what's the... Age, yeah, age-related, because it's going to be yeah. a, kind of the main topic of the podcast as well, and we're going to set it off like this. Age-related training, age-related goals, mm-hmm. and the old, I'm X years old, so I can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. And when we say a lot to people that, yes, theoretically, genetic peaks are in your mid-early 20s, <clears throat> maybe late 20s for some stuff, um, and then it's like, okay, well, if that was my peak, what's the point in training when I'm 50? Because I can't get any better or I can't hit that peak. Mm. Um, which is, yeah, it's not, it's true in the sense that, yeah, if you're trying to reach the Olympics and you've, you're 45 years old, it's probably not the ideal time to start training for the next cycle, but, um, there's still stuff that you can do. Especially if someone's untrained throughout Mm -hmm. most of their life and then they pick up any form of training. I think I remember seeing people talking about studies that you can still progress physiologically up to 70-ish years old. So if someone was untrained and even if they started, for example, deadlifting, Mm -hmm. uh, at the age of 60 and they've never done it before, they could still progress their deadlift rather than thinking, oh, I'm just going to come in and basically stay at the same weight. They still physiologically can adapt to training and improve their deadlift over time. And then even when you sort of hit 70-ish, again, individual differences between people. But even from then, even if you're not progressing, say you might not be able to progress your maximum, you could still come in and... sort of train laterally. So you could do the same deadlift, but you can apply it with one other exercise, two other exercises, um, and then everything basically slows your decline. So even when you get there, even if you stay the same strength whilst you age, I'd still call that progressive. Yeah. I've seen it in other gyms. Like there's a a gym locally to us here, and uh, there was this, chap I forget his name let's call him Reg and he started weight training when he retired when he was 60 and he was 80 at the time shredded just just mm. really really good and I, I asked him the same question that we just you know said there it's like when did you start training and he's like, well, 60 I got bored I was in the, the the navy all his life active-ish but never did any resistance and um just yeah, worked out a plan and did it, and that was his little routine. And he was just 
unbelievable. It's a bit like golf or something like that. Like, yeah, if you were a <clears throat> scratch golfer in your 20s or 30s, you're probably going to struggle to um, progress past that when you hit 50 or 60. Yeah. Like, you're probably not, your handicap's not going to get much lower than that. But there's still tons of stuff that you can do and play around with and mark yourself against playing different courses. Um, different weather conditions, different rounds, all that kind of stuff, different competitions, age group competitions, all those kind of things, handicap based. And it's similar to that in the gym, like just because even if you have hit a peak in your 20s and 30s, which I'd say actually very few of us have from a training standpoint, unless, like I say, we're at the Olympic athlete level, um, there's still loads of stuff that you can do, like David said, laterally, similar to playing different courses of the golfer. There's different movements, different skill bases that you can work on. Even if you had hit, say you were an Olympic 5K runner, there'd be tons of strength work that you'd never touched in that time that you could do when you were 50. So there's still loads of progression to be had no matter what kind of peak you've reached at that age. There's always sort of variety <coughs> that can be found. Because um, I think it's good sometimes to sort of separate yourself from your physiology. And that's mm. why it's good just to bust this myth of... I've hit a certain age, therefore I cannot achieve X. And so there's no point in starting. And so it's just trying to change that belief system to know that unless there is something physiologically stopping you, probably in the form of some form of disease, because um, we sort of see even with injuries, people tend to say, oh, no, I can't. I've got X wrong with my knees, my hips, etc." Whereas if then, if you were to say, rehab them to get them back to as good a place as possible and then start strengthening up, there's always something that can be done to move forward, even if it's go laterally first and then start progressing. But physiologically, we've all got the sort of capacity to adapt to our training. It's like you said with that <coughs> expectation as well. There was a good example over the weekend uh, pro athlete racing early season for him and he came I think he was fourth overall in this race but he wrote a, a kind of a social media post about it afterwards saying for him everything early season and in that race had gone perfectly so in terms of a process goal it had gone really really well and then he was trying to separate that from the outcome because he was necessarily disappointed with fourth place and similarly with exercise you can look at the process um, of what you're going through and slightly differentiate that from the outcome or the physiology. So there's loads of stuff that you can do. It depends where you set that expectation to begin with as well. Um, can really, I think, play a factor into what you're going to do long term and how, I guess, disappointed or enamoured you're going to be with the outcome of it. Enamoured. Good word. <laughs> please see oh, I can't remember what number it would have been please revert back to our expectation effect Scrubble. podcast yeah 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 for more details yeah <laughs> click yeah. here yeah yeah no, I think it's a good one and uh, there's I mean we see it with loads of people we work with all sorts of people um, age ranges age ranges ability levels um, all of that kind of stuff and I don't know about you guys, but definitely for me, people who trained over the years, it's pretty inspiring in a lot of the stuff that I do, seeing people do certain stuff in the gym, 
Um, so if nothing else, you're inspiring us. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. For example, Charlotte this morning. Shout out, hundred kilo deadlift. Ooh. Super impressive. I didn't tell her the Should weights because I was telling her it's around eighty kilos. <laughs> So again, she has the expectation that she can lift it. She knows she's done it before. She knows it will feel heavy, but it's just the take away the psychology of, oh, it's heavy. Oh, I haven't done anything like that. And then, surprise. Matt did the same on Thursday. So yeah, same principle. That's the same as well, like we're saying with Charlotte Charlotte this morning. (laughs) Is like, I'm sure she won't mind saying or talking about this, but someone that not necessarily has absolutely loved the gym or anything like that. Mm. And even when she first started, potentially someone that could have like had a brief fling with it and been like, yeah, this is all right for a bit and not done it. But she's, her consistency has been unreal, like stuck at it for a long, long time. Does it day in, day out, week on week, even started up running in her own time and is pretty disciplined with that and has been disciplined with the gym. She trains at 6am. I think anyone that, not saying it's any better or worse, but anyone that's willing to get up that early to come and train, uh, it's another potential barrier in place. So just consistency of what she's what she's done. So yeah, it's awesome to see her achieve something like that. Yeah. Nailed it. Very good. Bosh. So that's pretty much our myth buster. Ding dong. (laughs) Jingle you out. (laughs) Well done. Nice. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit more expansively about that uh, age-related physiology and stuff and, you know, specific goals, examples that we've seen in the gym over the years. Um, What people might want to think about, look out for, because, yeah, there's obviously differences as people get older and things like that there's there's definitely things that do change but how we can go about combating that for those individuals mindset wise looking at it and because even like with um shout out to the run verity group Mm. uh so even because always sort of speaking with emily and verity they sort of say the same thing with the beginners run group where they have that limiting belief system because they're older and they think, oh, I'm starting out running. Mm. I'll work up to a 5K and that'll be it. And then they work up to it and they're like, oh, maybe I'll do my 10K. Mm. And then they get that and then they naturally progress onto a half marathon. And then even some people get to a marathon and they're like, I never thought I would get there. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that progressive, sticking with the training, be consistent, yeah. find a way that you enjoy it so that you keep turning up and your physiology will back you. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> I think especially with that kind of, again, looking from a physiological point of view, the aerobic cardiovascular side, there is much more room for the scope for improvement later and later in life as well. Um, So you see like loads of people that take up longer distance running and things like that in their 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever it might be. Um, And I think a big part of that as well for those guys is all the process of it of going through a consistency and a build-up of training and yeah finishing off whatever distance it is 5k 10k half marathon marathon might be the icing on the cake and the sort of you know graduation ceremony at the end of that or whatever it might be or the the prize yeah yeah. the the prize on top of it (laughs) the prize on top of it but 
the process and the whole build up of those little wins week on week of I didn't think I could do this I didn't think I'd stick at this consistently all that kind of stuff that's the really key important things um like the guys at the moment there's a good group of them building to uh what they got London Marathon Amsterdam and Vienna all about three or four weeks away so you see them kind of every Saturday they're all quite a lot of them are on the long runs at the moment they're out sort of 20-ish miles and things like that running and just churning it out week on week um doing that consistently uh and again it gives i think it's it's just really cool to see all got family lives busy stuff going on work lives things like that and still keep progressing towards a like a solid end goal in like three four weeks time which is awesome yeah really good to see that's why it's always sort of said whatever you're doing even outside of fitness, business, family, whatever it is, consistency is always <clears throat> number one priority. If you, you can't you can't progress if you don't turn up. Mm. So that's why it's a lot of the time people try and find perfect process, whereas as long as it's yeah. you do some form of movement, stress it over time, continuously progress that stress, you will continue to move forward if you're consistent. There's a really good post shared the other day and I'll probably butcher it a little bit, but it's like leaning <laughs> leaning into the process and the consistency and you have to have faith in that because going to the gym one day, looking in the mirror the next day, you'll see nothing. Simon Sinek. Yeah. Going to the gym the next day, looking in the mirror, you'll see nothing. So you've got to have some sort of faith in the process and what you're doing and enjoyment in what you're doing or at least the goal end goal mean enough to you. And you can't do it by going to the gym nine hours one day and you suddenly change that's not the same as banking up 18 half hour sessions or whatever it might be um so there has to be a bit of yeah enjoyment or finding what makes you tick to lean into that process because it's not and it's difficult in the world that we're in now i think we talked about convenience the other week that everything is super convenient but physiologically our body doesn't change like that and doesn't adapt like that it still takes time still takes progressive overload over a bit of time to generally pick up fitness or reach a sort of end goal it's not like we can hit it with a burst of intensity and suddenly it's gonna explode into life um so yeah finding that's pretty good i think it's pretty comfortable there's a lady i trained at previous gym that we worked at um karen who was a really prime example um, of this as well, started with lower back injuries um, and had a couple of fairly serious lower back injuries. And she would be in her mid to late 50s at the time, I believe. Grandmother ended up by, um, I think we were 18 months later, she was doing five bodyweight chin-ups in the free weights area in the gym, which I'm not saying that everyone will be capable of that. It just worked well with her physiology. But when we started out, if you looked at the sessions when we began training together, there was absolutely zero indication that she'd ever be doing chin-ups down the line. It was all very much corrective work, core work, teaching some abdominal bracing, working through movement patterns to make sure that she didn't or as best as we could not re-injure that back and strengthen areas around it, supporting areas around it. 
and it only then materialized later and later down the line that we just worked through a chain of progression and huh, we're getting pretty strong at this. Oh, we're getting pretty strong at this. This movement's pretty good. Let's give this a go. Mm. Um, Simon Dan on his Monday run. Um, and it came... He's on track. Yeah. <laughs> Consistency every Monday. Simon yeah. Dan going for his run. Um, uh, and yeah, and he came down the line that we ended up at that point just because it had been... Yeah, she'd worked through all those phases. It's just natural progression within the gym. And we'd got to like, okay, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, and then ended up there. Like I say, it wasn't the beginning goal. It was just materialized like that. Thankfully, that's how physiology works. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So the body's always looking to adapt to stress, to be more efficient so that the future is less stressful. Mm. Um, and then that's what we play on as coaches. So just balancing the the stress of things, but physiology is physiology. You will always, if you do something stressful, so even if it's one thing, for example, me just deadlifting, because I'm just doing one thing, I can push it to maximum intensity for one thing. So I know I'll have the maximum return on investment from that one thing. <clears throat> but then if you have multiple because again, we only see people maybe once, twice, three times a week. So we've got a balance overall resilience, getting in your movement patterns, the conditioning, everything between them. So that's why we always balance out how many sets you do, reps, mm. strength-wise, endurance-wise, high rep sets. So it's always sort of working on weak links in the chain of physiology <clears throat> to build a whole balanced resilience. Because <laughs> I think I saw, I think it was the Andy Galpin one, where they sort of had a look at, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were Nordic, of course, um, ultra runners and getting into their age of, I think even like 80 years old, and then comparing themselves, comparing to sort of non-runners of the same age and just looking at muscle quality. Mm. And you can sort of see that their muscle fibres have adapted, so they're very sort of slow twitch, very good at what they do, but then compared them to say normal lifting, so a bit of weight training against, again, general population of similar age. And actually the general population were a bit better at the strength work because they hadn't super specialized into slower twitch fibers. <clears throat> <laughs> Hands up, guilty. Um, but again, it just comes down to sort of if you're after overall resilience and you're not training for a specific performance, then that's why we like a nice balanced approach to what we're training you for to work with specifics. Uh, I was putting my hand up because I had a question slash point. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, just on that, it just reminded me there was um, for ages and we were all taught at uh, school and probably even university, in fact, definitely through university, that muscle fibre type um, so really brief explanation of you having type one, type two, type two, a muscle fibers, essentially the type two fibers are more springy, powerful, uh, sprinter, that kind of basis and type one, a more aerobic based stuff and all the way through university and only to fairly recently, it was always believed that you were born with a ratio of fibers and you could benefit one more, the other through training. So you could make adaptation to one, say if you did more aerobic training, even if you were 
certain muscles are different to others, but say you were 70% dominant in type two fibers to type one, then you aerobically train the type one fibers and just become more efficient and the type two, not so much. Um, more recently, I say recently, I think it's like probably about five to eight years now. Um, there's a few twin studies that came out and you can actually change the ratio of fibers within a muscle. So they were looking at twin, twins that had been separated at birth. And I think coincidentally, it was, it was similar sort of lines to that, twins that had been separated at birth. One had done an awful lot of ultra distance running. The other was a <clears throat> very kind of standard, hadn't really trained, uh, lived at work and on the sofa, smoked, all that kind of stuff, and looked at the percentage ratio muscle, muscle fibers um, and the twin doing all the endurance events had actually slightly shifted the percentage of fibers uh, type one versus type two, whereas the type two in the twin that was kind of sat smoking and all that kind of stuff had remained a bit more dominant. Um, so there is a shift that you can make, which uh, previously people have always thought that you couldn't. It was just about biasing one or the other. It's not necessarily saying that if you're a, you know, people are still born slightly more dominant in one way or the other. And we'll get onto this in the class discussion in a little bit. Um, but you can tweak and change that a little bit. There's a little bit of movement either way on that. It's not saying that if you're born a sprinter that you can turn yourself into an elite marathon runner. But um, yeah, it's just an interesting point back onto that progression and development of I was born to do this, so I can't do X, there's still ways that you can shift it <clears throat> physiology will meet your needs yep. however you train it and stress yeah, it yeah yeah so. um but yeah i mean it was interesting for us for sure because we got taught the opposite basically all the way through um and a cool showing of science and sports science progressing as well mm. i think um i guess that's good segue onto the class as well because we've changed a little bit and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, what we did on Saturday mornings, we were doing some more kind of aerobically based sessions um, where things were a bit more steady build all the way through the session and looking at keeping people at sort of 70, 80% kind of mark or below that. We've changed that into a bit more what I'd call kind of anaerobic tolerance based stuff. So some higher intensity right in David's wheelhouse talking <laughs> yeah. of being predisposed and built to do one thing more than the other <laughs> yeah, one of my rugby training finally yeah yeah, yeah. just been sat dominant super evident <laughs> dominant, uh, of that over the weekend yeah someone like david who's naturally strength power based built and then has also trained that again that argument of being born for a sport and then finding out you're pretty good at knocking people over and hitting people when you're younger so you start playing rugby train more become more dominant at that um yeah it's pretty evident when we do the classes at the weekend so we're doing stuff like like i said it's an anaerobic tolerance it's a transition from the aerobic work so rather than long duration we were doing things like 15 seconds on 15 seconds off which is super hard and super intense to do um but it's a switch before we get into the super super high-end stuff of kind of gradually pushing people towards being able to work at those higher intensities. Some people, David, Amy, are better than it than others and then need more recovery in between as well because <laughs> you can go harder. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's an interesting to look across physiology around the room as well. Um, it's like we've always said, we like to train people in a broad spectrum. And so even if people don't necessarily, uh, aren't necessarily predisposed to work well in that capacity, it's good to train it a little bit as well. Um, <coughs> Bring up any weak links. Exactly. Mm. It's like if you look at like a pyramid, say we're doing all the <coughs> base aerobic conditioning work, there's still benefit to be had from slightly pulling it up at the top end by doing this kind of anaerobic stuff. You have a higher ceiling. Um, you've got more room to play with. There's more scope within that as well. Just so like I benefit from the aerobic stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like I hated and dragged my feet <laughs> through the last month. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And talk around that as well. And it's difficult. I think this with a lot of general, uh, yeah, just a general statement, but a lot of people that go to the gym either do classes or have trained on their own and things like that tend to be better at that aerobic steady state kind of stuff and haven't done as much of the real high end producing force and power quickly um i think that shows quite a lot and then there's the odd person that's a bit more natural at it um but getting someone to work maximally within say six seconds isn't something that everyone can do and it takes a bit of time skill to develop that you know, you'll have people that will work, say there's 15 on 15 off, that will work as hard as they are perceiving in the 15 seconds, but are still fully recovered within the 15. Ideally, within that, you should be building up so much waste product and fatigue that that last 15 seconds should be really <laughs> hanging on. <laughs> That's what you want to see. Or even within the first 15 second block. Dead, 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 dead. Exactly. <laughs> you should be working super intensely for probably about five or six seconds and then hanging on for the rest of it rather than a steady state throughout. Um, and we spoke about a bit, quite a bit at the end about having the intent to do something um, versus the outcome. So this is process outcome as well. Um, and the process being, for example, having the intent to move the bar or dumbbell or med ball or kettlebell quickly gives the st same sort of stimulation to the muscles um, as lifting a ton of weight because your body doesn't know what you're externally lifting. Mm. The weight's just slowing you down. Um, so even if you have the intent, say a lot we talk about kind of like, say in a deadlift or something like that, like ripping the bar off the floor or snapping the hips in a kettlebell forward, trying to throw the dumbbell through the roof in a push press, is having the intent to move it really quickly. And sure the weight is gonna slow you down, you're not really gonna throw a 30 kilo dumbbell through the ceiling, um, but having the intent to move it quickly is what it's all about because especially as fatigue accumulation <clears throat> builds up you really don't want consciously to push yourself so even though you're if you're, even if you're say with the slams as fatigue kicks in it's hard but that's one of the goals is to try and still get the ball overhead and then throw it into the floor rather than just get it up overhead and then drop it and sort of completing it <clears throat> you're still really trying to override that fatigue and even though it might not feel like you're working very hard as in you're not slamming the ball anywhere near the first set relative to your fifth set like on the slams at the weekend as long as the intent is there that you're still trying to slam it as fast as you can even if it's not objectively the same mm. you'll still stress your physiology in the way you want to 
to get that speed, power, anaerobic threshold training in. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's like buffering and to- like we like we said at the beginning, anaerobic tolerance. It's buffering to that. <clears throat> I always think concentrations like really key on this and people think about it with exercise and it seems a bit of a silly thing to talk about but being able to concentrate and focus under fatigue of doing something with still with intent and not just like david said okay we set eight eight reps of this so i'll get through eight and i did four really well and then i just got through the rest or equally on the ski erg if we're doing short efforts power's a really good feedback on that because you can see it peak and then slowly drop off And as people see it drop off, it's having the intent to keep it as high as you possibly can throughout the whole 15 seconds and not just go, oh, it's falling away, so I'm giving up sort of thing. It's having the intent to move hard and hard and hard. And it's a weird feeling because you get it, say, on the bike or on the erg and your legs are in your arms and you feel like when you are going hard, you feel like you're putting the same effort, but you can just see the power's not as much. And it is an odd feeling and it's hanging on to that for as long as you possibly can. Um, sucks yeah yeah. it's like the old good. is it diamond diamondometers they do in the uh, in the gym where you do like leg extensions and you just press as hard as you can against a leg extension it's like an unwinnable unwinnable uh, battle because it'll always push you back and basically the more you put into it the more it gives back um, but yeah that's the that's the kind of intent and um, with these sessions going forward anyway it's going to be difficult I think for people uh, to start out with but it's about training that skill set and that energy system set as it were a fun sucky month yeah yeah <laughs> mm. Mm. excellent i think that's but if i seem to do well on it yeah <clears throat> yeah 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 really good stuff yeah really good it Everyone worked quite nicely on their face. yeah uh it Ish. worked I don't know if it's ever like a, a compliment or whatever to say this, but it worked like better than I expected as well yeah. and went better than I expected for everyone. Because I think, like especially at previous gyms and workspaces, we've done that kind of stuff in the past and I'm always wary of I, or you come at it from a, we're looking to improve this, but then people are coming from the other direction of I want to come to the gym to sweat for an hour and work hard for an hour. Yeah. So you have to find a bit of that balance. You can't get someone doing... 15 seconds work and resting for four minutes because it's not an efficient use of their time, our time, that kind of thing. So you have to gradually uh, bring that in. Um, and everyone, yeah, worked really well on it at the weekend. Seems good quite pairs. nicely. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially on that work where you know it's going to be tough, you do kind of need someone next to you. Yes. Pushing themselves and you sort of have a peek across and like, God damn it. They're still going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The yeah, yeah. perfect example of that was Mark. And Charlotte. Mark's like, come yeah. on. Charlotte's like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never teaming up with you again. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely, everyone gets a little bit out of working with someone alongside them. Yeah. That's why we do the group stuff. Um, everyone, no matter how kind of good you are at working on your own, everyone gets a little bit from having someone next to them. Whether that's like inspiration or motivation or I'm going to beat you or I just want to try and hang on to you for as long as possible. Uh, that was myself and Raoul trying yeah. to keep up with Rachel and Amy as they're working around. We're like, no, no, longer rest in between the four exercises. Yeah. <laughs> they're There's, already moved on to the next block. I'm like, oh, yeah. damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, Raoul's super springy. Like talking <laughs> yeah. about... Uh, Throw himself through the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Raoul, jump as high as you can. Talking about you. being born Fun for flubber. stuff. Unbelievably plyometric. <laughs> yeah. Cool.
Nice. Uh, we've got our walk on the 25th of March, so not this Saturday, Saturday after from Old Winchester Hill. So any clients that want to join us on that, uh, just let us know in session. Post has already gone out on the Facebook page, but for more details, we'll keep pushing that closer and closer. Um, that is everything. Yeah. Excellent. That is all from us, and we'll catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.